Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vongani. Thank you so much for joining us. The military takeover of power in Gabon, the eighth on the continent since 2020, is raising concerns that democratic gains made in Africa in the last two decades could be backsliding. You know, it's from the people or from ECOWAS. Um, I want to see more intervention in that direction, that the people need to lean in to the actions that are being carried out to see that those actions are in favor of the people. Evelyn Epele is a Nigerian researcher and analyst. She joins us from Abuja to examine some of the causes behind the recent coups in West Africa. I think we just have to incorporate our own homegrown sound and also factor in different sounds that can that everyone else can enjoy, mm. then matter which continent. Ugandan singer and songwriter Irene Tale on her career and Uganda's vibrant music industry. But first, let's hear from you, our listeners. We asked you to speak on the issue of coups in Africa, some of the causes and solutions. This is what you had to say. First of all, the AU should uh, make, 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 make possible ways to avoid those coups. Because it's possible they can be avoided. For like, first of all, I suggested, let a president rule for two terms, not exceeding two terms. And in case a coup has, has, has happened, then uh, the AU should come up with uh, possible solutions. In this era, a dot-com era by now, we don't expect such scenarios to happen. These were things of when we have just gained independence in every nation. So, from now, we would be having a well-developed political system whereby it comes with ideologies. Sit down, analyze the issue, and solve it politically, not just to go to look where guns are, and now you come up and say, now I don't want this one in power, it should be me. No, it is not the best way to do in this era. 20, 20th century, no. I think it is the the state of these leaders who are overstaying in power and they don't give room for other leaders. Yeah, I'm Fiona Mirembe and I'm not surprised of seeing coups happening, more especially in Africa. And I think some of the causes is lack of power. You know, these days everyone wants to be a leader. I'm, I'm Opetun Philbert. I'm a Pan-Africanist from Kampala, Uganda, one of the districts of Africa. I'm not surprised of the coups happening in Africa. Reason being, the, the coups ju- don't just come anyhow. Some of them are just planned. And what I think should be done to eliminate the coups in Africa is the African Union, as the body uniting Africa, must bring in what they call term limit. You know, longevity in power is one of the causes of the cause in Africa. Many thanks to all of you for sending in your opinions to our question of the week. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vongani in Washington. And let's begin in West Africa, in Gabon, where a group of senior military officers in the country announced on national television that they had taken power and that the recent election results were annulled. Incumbent President Ali Bongo had just won his third term in office. In July of this year, President Mohamed Bazoum of Niger was overthrown by his own presidential guard, 
detaining him inside his palace. The coup leader said that they were seizing power to end, quote, the deteriorating security situation and bad governance in the country. So far, eight coups have taken place in West and Central Africa since 2020, a worrying trend that analysts say represents a reversal in much of the democratic gains made in the region and around the continent. The AU, which is the African Union, plus the regional body ECOWAS, have condemned the coups, calling for a restoration to democratic rule. In the case of Niger, ECOWAS threatened to take all measures that may include the use of force to reinstate President Bazoum to office. However, many doubt that ECOWAS will actually follow through with this threat. And so the question remains, what is next for these countries and do the coups actually represent the aspirations of the people for democratic reform and change in their countries? For more on this, I reached Evelyn Epele, a Nigerian policy researcher and communications analyst. I want us to dissect some of the causes, why this continues to happen in 2023. Why do we still have to worry about the prospect of a military takeover? Um, and I want to get your, I guess, your analysis on this um, what would you say are some of the causes mm-hmm. of all these coup d'etats we've seen? I guess, you know, case by case, basis, uh, certain variables here and there. But overall, what would you say are some of the reasons why uh, we continue to see coup d'etats? Thank you so much, Jackson. It's always great to speak with you. Um, this question that you've asked me is pretty much mainstream question now, um, you know, that every one of us is sort of bringing up in our personal conversations, whether that is doing um, more news analysis like we're doing right now, or even um, passerby conversations, because, you know, of course, people around me here in Abuja um, and at my workplace have all been having this conversation. And one of the things that remain uh, uh, common within these conversations that people are having about the rise of coups um, in the West African region, the Sahel, we see that happening now um, across Africa, is you know the agreement or the consensus that the citizens and the people in these countries where these coups are happening um, are, are somewhat celebrating, or would I say jubilating, or even welcoming the coup plotters. Um, and, you know, creating a, a cohesive idea that this is some sort of welcome development, if you may. Um, but we want to, what I want to do is sort of, you know, create an opportunity for us to just deepen our focus into what is actually um, happening. Because we, you know, as the media, have that tough job of sort of leading others um, to understanding of a very complex issues um, such as this. And, you know, maybe doing that devoid of the personal sentiment that people are sort of welcoming this. And right. what I mean is that we can't afford to conflate the apathy that Africans have for bad leadership and bad leaders with the apathy that Africa as a continent has for democracy. Because democracy, of course, should deliver, if democracy delivers the dividends of democracy, it is for the people, by the people. Um, and therefore, it's in favor of the people. But this disenchantment that we're seeing um, of the citizenry is sort of masking as approval for military intervention um, because military intervention is sort of delivering the wants and needs of the people, which is to depose of bad leadership. Um, but, you know, we, we, we might want to just look into that as to say, 
some of the causes of this is primarily the discontent um, that people have towards the fact that although we have leaders who assert themselves as democratic um, and are carrying on in ways that show um, democratic uh, benefits for the people, and that in itself has been a core cause um, of, of everything that we're seeing happening now and even why people uh, are seemingly aligning with the queen. Okay. So how does democracy deliver for the people, like you said? What does that look like? Well, what that would look like is simple. Democracy says that it is for the people, by the people. So where are the people in decision-making? To what extent is the government participatory? To what extent are we listening to the wants and the needs of people um, and aggregating those wants and needs into the decision-making um, that we're carrying out on, on behalf of these people? Um, to what extent is the voice of people being heard, whether that's through election of their leaders and their representatives at the, at the National Assemblies and so on and so forth. Um, in what way is human rights respected from country to country? How do we see government asserting safety and security for people? Um, what does it look like to for an average person um, living under a democracy? Do they experience freedom or do they feel constrained in any way? So these are some of the questions um, that we can ask um, when it comes to um, how do we gauge, uh, uh, you know, the dividends of democracy in any society. Democracy in itself as a system of governance is what the ideal is for the continent. But the discontent that we're seeing now is as a result of the fact that democracy is not delivering the dividends of democracy simply because of way it is practiced. It's, right. it's a failure in our policy. So de democracy in practice is, de is different or should be different from, uh, I guess, the way you, you talk about it. Because you can talk about the ideals of democracy and say all these good things, but if you're in power or if you've been elected by the people uh, and you, you're practicing it counter to some of those ideals, that, that is not democracy. So let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, how do these military takeovers actually restore democracy because it seems antithetical to the whole idea of democracy uh, how does a military takeover actually help restore democracy um i think i'm somewhat taken aback by the fact that we're having military action when what we should be having is citizen action i spoke about um in, in our previous conversation about the work that we have been doing back here in Nigeria in sort of to raise political consciousness about the need for active citizen participation in governance. Um, and that's really what it would look like to people. So whatever actions are being carried out, um, to what extent do those actions correlate with the actual needs of the people? Are the people really being carried along um, with these actions? Or you said you never went to bed and, and you know, um, with the idea that this would happen in Gabon. Um, I don't even think that a person living in Gabon went to bed with that idea as well. Mm. And, and that's why we can't just conclude by saying that people are in favor of this because you just woke up and you're celebrating um, an idea that was never originally yours and, and wasn't conceived by you. So we have to look at the extent to which citizens are actually being aggregated into decision-making um, so that we can then clarify to ourselves whether uh, it is pro-democracy or, or anti-democracy. All of these coups we've seen, at least in the last what, two years, are happening in West Africa. 
and especially so in francophone countries. What does that tell you? That tells me that, you know, information cascades um, is at an all-time high. And what that means really is a, a more of a social networking term that really refers more to um, the, the extent of globalization that has happened even on the African continent. We see by the use of technology that this happened and within minutes or even hours after it happened, information about the incident is all over the media space, even in countries that are miles and miles away from, from Gabon, and in not just the continent, but even outside the continent. And so when people are connected in such a very powerful way, whether it's over a network um, or even through media communications like we're doing now, it sort of becomes possible for them to, would I say, influence each other's uh, behaviors and, and their decisions as well. Um, so when you see that something has happened in Ghana, um, that sort of appears to be a similar situation with a challenge that you are tackling in, say, Nigeria or, or Gabon or wherever that is, you tend to just want to copy and paste um, their decision-making. Um, and, you know, I feel that comes down to information cascades, that it's like we have this information in real time of what's happening in different parts of the world. Um, so I see that, you know, there's nearly a limitless uh, set of situations in which people are now being influenced by others, whether that is their neighbors, like in the case of West Africa and what's going on. So they see they see what is happening in one country and feel like this is something that could uh, happen, we, we should emulate uh, or replicate in, in our own situation, as we've seen in all these different countries. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. We are talking about some of the issues driving the coups in some West African countries. The recent one having taken place in Gabon. Anong Jacob is a secondary school teacher in Yawunde. He tells VOA that the post-election confusion in Gabon had given the military an opportunity to seize power, claiming that they want freedom for civilians, just like the militaries of Niger, Burkina Faso, and Mali. It's a shared feeling with those in Niger who are thinking at the moment that the time is now or never. They have all the resources, gold, diamond, timber, and all of that, but we don't have any of the industries or factories that can process this material. All is transported to the West. We have little or nothing to benefit from it. From Kenya, Dr. Edgar Githua has a different take on this. He's an international relations, security, and diplomatic expert at the U.S. International University in Nairobi. He tells VOA that he predicts that this coup will not have a long life, saying that the military is taking advantage of the, quote, coup-built neighborhood and acting as if they're siding with the people and supporting the opposition. I, I thought Ali Bongo had control over the military totally. So I did not expect this to happen. But very quickly from my analysis, I think this is just the Gabon, the Gabon military taking advantage of that coup belt, the being in that neighborhood where so many coups have been taking place. And the fact that Ali Bongo won the vote by 64% uh, in trying to just protest and saying that the elections are not free and fair. 
However, I have a feeling this coup will be crushed very quickly because the military tried something similar in 2019 and it lasted a very short time and it was also quickly crushed. So I have a feeling we might see that happening. We might have other factions within the military who are going to quickly over maybe restore order because even for the opposition, I know they would rather have Ali Bongo in power rather than having a military government in power. If nobody intervenes, it does not mean the military are doing it for the people. They are doing it from a selfish perspective. They're simply taking advantage of what other countries have done in the region. That was Dr. Edgar Githua, an international relations security and diplomatic expert at the U.S. International University in Nairobi. Let's take a quick break and listen to some more of your opinions on this topic. I'm immaculate. I'll stick with just one name uh, because of political reasons, of course. As African Union, they've probably failed us so many times and people have maybe lost interest in that. That's why we see a lot of calls happening. So to me, it's just really the leaders, the leadership of the different countries in Africa that they rely more on the Western countries instead of them utilizing the available resources and the available manpower that they have to ensure that other people prosper. But of recent, I've seen African leaders coming up and being against the Western agendas and all, which is a bit promising, though I don't know how effective that will be, as you know, some of them will bend law and others will still take on that route. First of all, African governments are characterized by militarization. There, is, there should be a system whereby, like in my country, Uganda, let me say, in my country, Uganda, you cannot tell me ever since I was a kid, uh, I'm having one president. I've seen one president. I've never seen change of power, which is happening to our countries, to my neighboring country here, Tanzania. There is peaceful change of power. Kenya, there is peaceful change of power. In Uganda here, I don't, and uh, let me assure you this, I don't think the president is willing to hand over power. Even though he's willing to hand over, he's willing to have what? His, to, his, to his son. You see, this is uh, not a kingdom that leadership is inherited. So we should have that system whereby the AU, AU will come up with a system saying you cannot rule for more than two terms. Welcome back. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. We're talking about the recent coups in West Africa. A number of countries in the region are ruled by military hunters amid a rise in coups imposing civilian leadership. We continue our conversation with Evelyn Epele, a Nigerian policy researcher and analyst. Now, Evelyn, uh, how do people win if the coup d'etats are actually driven by the military? Um, it depends on how you're describing winning. Are you describing winning based on the fact that um, people are sort of jubilating this? Right. Um, I've, I mean, any I've sense seen, I've of seen, ownership I've... that comes on the part of the people where we see people sort of expressing um, um, consensus on the idea or sort of expressing agreement with the idea comes as a result of the fact that people, African people, are sort of, you know, more relatedly sick and tired of leadership in Africa that does not deliver on the dividends of democracy. Mm. And so anything that looks like um, a halt to that trend would then appear as a win um, for the people. And that's why I'm saying that we need to also look into the way we're contextualizing win. It's like we need to be clear on that so right. that we 
we don't take on new meanings um, to things uh, 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 that we hold there. Like, who actually is winning in this case? Uh, and is there an actual restoration of democracy as as we define it? Uh, in some cases, we've seen countries uh, where leaders have been in power for such a long time, say Gabon, uh, where Alec Bongo's father was in power for 42 years. He was in power. He was about to start his third term. Uh, there were questions about you know, the legitimacy of the elections and whether it was rigged or not. Uh, th there's been this uh, discussion or argument that even in cases where there's no actual, you know, military takeovers or coup d'etats, that there are other forms of coup d'etats that are happening. If a leader imposes himself or rigs an election, that, does, that also really qualifies as a coup d'etat. What do you say? Well, the thing about framing um, any narrative is that if you come up with a narrative, you can more than assuredly uh, sort of find reasons to sort of back that up or provide support um, for that thesis statement. But I still want us to focus on the people because eventually all of these interventions and conversations we're having is supposedly for the people, the emancipation of the people. Mm. Um, earlier, I was sort of pondering on um, sort of this colonial alignment that we see because most of these countries were once colonized by the French, for example. So they have sort of a common origin or a common heritage. And that might also be the reason why they can ideologically agree with one another because they all share um, in, in yes, the same struggles. I think I had this conversation with you one time where we talked about how from country to country on the continent, the issues are the same. So I want us to sort of, would I say, apply caution in the way that we are um, spreading our ideas to cover more broadly all of these new definitions about whether or not coups are win and so on and so forth. Because the people appear to be fragile, in my opinion. People are fragile because they are hurt. Um, socioeconomic fortunes for people are dwindling on a daily basis. Mm. Then we have climate change to contend with, which is also a major issue. So everybody is hurt in one way or the other. Everyone is feeling, um, you know, a lot of stress and strain um, from all of the things going on. We all were just recovering from a global pandemic. Right. Um, and so tensions are high, emotions are high. People just want relief. And whatever that um, might be, whatever that appears as, um, relief is really just what people want. People really want um, a breath of fresh air in our leadership that also carries along the people. There needs to be participatory style governance. One way that we can start to tackle what is going on now is even to create room for open dialogue where citizens can pretty much air their views and people share what their opinions are, even if it's even their personal sentiments. And then we can aggregate all of that together and see what works for us and deliver solutions that actually work for African people because that is the basis of the conversation and that's where the conversation should go towards, which is development. People want growth and people want development. Evelyn, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us uh, this afternoon. Thank you so much, Jackson. All the best. And let's go to East Africa in Uganda. The country's vibrant music industry is known for its diverse range of musical styles, including traditional and contemporary genres like Afrobeat, 
dancehall, gospel, hip-hop and others. And joining me in studio to talk about Uganda's music scene is Irene Ntale, an award-winning singer, songwriter and guitarist known for her unique musical styles, enthusing vocals and evocative lyrics. She tells me that the music industry in Uganda has been significantly impacted by the digital revolution with artists like herself using social media and digital distribution to reach a wider audience. What is it about the Ugandan music industry like that you want the world to know? But um, let's start off by how it has evolved over the years. Um, I believe people should know that right now there's so much talent that's coming out of Kampala and Uganda as a whole. You know, back in the day we used to just have a few, you know, household names. Yeah. But now the talent is crazy. There are so many amazing young people that are coming up who play instruments, who know how to rap. And the thing with our industry, there's no limits. Like we don't have, we're not limited to one particular sound. So anything is possible. It's a very diverse yeah. sound. Yes. How would you characterize your music? Um, I think it's versatile good music. Versatile good music? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I'll it. give you R&B, then yeah. I'll give you Afrobeat, then I'll give you some reggae. Like whatever, whatever the vibe is and it's right. Yeah. In studio, that's what I'll give you. What's the song that uh, that put you on the map? I mean, you gave us a little history of how you started in church, mm. Mm. part of a little rock band in Kampala singing gigs here and there. Mm. What's the song that finally established Irene Tali as a household name in the Uganda music industry? Mm. That song has to be Joveda, Jembeda. It, I believe that song changed my life. Yeah. Can you yeah. sing us a couple of lines of that? Okay. Sabeka tondera chikose nakuleta leno kufunye owa boda boda mutagende tutambule owompeke Have you been able to maintain your relevance in the industry that is so versatile, that has these young people coming up every day, yeah. new sound, you know, social media? Um, for me mainly, I believe being, first of all, accepting who I am and the kind of talent that I have, you know, just accepting that they can only just be one Irene Tale and mm. that is the flavor that I can bring, mm. my own flavor. Your like, own path. Yeah, my own path to the industry. Mm. Of course, there are so many people that you listen to and you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. So I pick what I can just to better my craft. But what has helped me stay grounded and rooted is just knowing that it is me, this is my path, mm. my, my own time, God's speed. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. So how are things evolving for you? How is your career looking? What are, what are you looking forward to? Um, I'm currently in studio. You know, I'm recording, I've recorded a lot of singles, which I'm thinking, I'm still trying to figure out with my team, should mm. we release an album, should we just release like a six-piece EP, should we continue to just release like singles and videos, so we are still trying to figure that out, me and my team, but I'm in studio, I have a lot of music, I'm excited about 2024. Yes. 
Yeah. So that's when you drop it in 2024? Yes, yes. Okay, so now. you're working on it. Yeah, working a project. on it, yes. How so many songs? About finished songs right mm. now. Oh my God, I don't think I can even count. Very few artists actually drop albums these days. Everybody's throwing a, a, drops a, a, single, here. a single here. Only these big Afrobeat artists are the ones dropping albums. So, you know, respect to you. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. When Bana Boy, Wizkid, you know, all these big artists from West Africa, part yes. of the Afrobeat genre, when they tour mm. uh, here in North, North America, they're able to attract audiences from different parts mm. of the world, including, you know, Americans, mm. Africans in the diaspora. Why are we not able to see that when it comes to East African artists? East African artists. Okay, there are a few. I believe there's Diamond Platinum, right. who was... You know, so I think we just have to incorporate our own homegrown sound and also factor in different sounds that can that everyone else can enjoy, mm. then matter which continent. That's why I'm telling you, me, I'm in studio trying to do something like that because I don't want to just sing for people back home, you know. I want my crowd to be diverse. A global audience. Yes, a global audience. Mm. Thank you very much. Mm. Yeah. So we're getting there. You're getting there. We, I, think, I feel like we've kind of been comfortable just doing it for our home base and our home fan base. Right. But I believe we can also tap into... You know, other fan bases. What I think is, us Ugandan artists, we get comfortable just singing for Uganda as a whole. So that's why we keep on releasing music that only relates to Uganda. Uganda, mm. and they are very supportive. Yeah, you know, they keep us, you know, in business, working, giving us. Which shows, is the important, most which important is thing, the most right? Important right. Thing. But I, I believe we can spread our wings. You can expand. Yeah. Yes. So that's why we need to incorporate some other sounds. Like, let me say, if I released a song that was I'm a piano beats that then had some Luganda in there, some English, mm. maybe some Spanish, you know, just to incorporate everyone. And with that, we come to the end of our show today. Many thanks to our guests and to you, our listeners, whether you tune in online at voaafrica.com or via our FM and shortwave stations across the continent. Remember to connect with us on our social media platforms. We are at Facebook and on Instagram at VOA Upfront. You can connect with me at Upfront Africa. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram. Until next time, I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, wishing you a great week ahead, Africa. Africa.